0: Welcome to Trek sin Sci-Fi, everyone, on this special edition. we uh, going to be looking at the Back to the Future trilogy of movies. Uh, yes, we're so going to kind of get away from Trek and uh, look at that great trilogy of movies with uh, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future. All three parts uh, we'll be covering today on Podcast 238 for August second, two 2009.
1: Good luck. You had a hard time finding your place in this world. Why are you talking to man? You can settle for an ordinary life. I dare you to do better. Shut up and let's just go. It's an Abrams film, you know. For a new take on the old spaceships Now shut up and let's just go It's a Star Trek mass machine I bet he changed the uniforms Now not so cheesily to fans going it's us that ought to speak About the spark, it's not attainable This time out, it's not supreme so I ain't steaming, I ain't taking this I ain't steaming, I ain't taking this I ain't steaming, I ain't taking this Shut up and let's just go Hey. And don't worry Star Trek fans JJ's new frontier is under construction We wrapped production on Star Trek last week And we're ending now It was the most exciting, challenging, but satisfying. The cast is Shut up and let's just go to the movie, just so you know. I don't care what shape the nacelles are now. Shut up and let's eat. just go. Siler can be the new Spock, and I like the new Kirk really a lot. Oh, so critically, you are to Me Don is coining in the Trek movie. The bridge is bright, it's not affordable. I want something unignorable. I ain't steaming, I ain't taking this, I ain't steaming, I ain't taking this, I ain't steaming, I ain't taking this, shut up and let's just go, hey! Oh, Kirk, Enterprise. Experience. The cast is spectacular. The movie is I think so much fun. So I'm just I I'm just dying for you to see it.
2: You'll have to wait just a little bit longer. Star Trek is due in theaters, May quick.
0: Let's go. Yeah, shut up and just let's go again to see the new Star Trek uh, film. or not so new anymore. A few months now it's been out. Uh, again, welcome to the podcast this week, everyone. That song uh, is from our friend of the show, Rick Moyer. You can find out more of his stuff over at uh, MoyerMultimedia.com and take him with you. All kinds of cool things he's got going on, and always appreciate his contributions to Treks and Sci-Fi. I'm not going to cover a lot of other things this week on the podcast. As I said at the very beginning, we're going to be looking at the Back to the Future trilogy of movies here on the podcast uh not much trek uh time to uh to look at that or other things i will say a few things uh one if you haven't heard or if you're not a member on the forum or anything uh yeah that job thing out of state didn't work out they picked somebody else can you believe it (laughs) i can joke about it now i learned uh, earlier last week that that was the case although they said they really liked me and uh um i was definitely in the in the top you know i think i was probably second choice i was runner up like in one of those uh beauty pageants <laughs> uh i i guess i'm getting closer it, it's uh it was a little disappointing i have to admit being uh the idea of having to move and being out of state for that uh all that time this uh, coming year uh away from the family and everything would have been difficult although uh, i do still think that that job would have been Uh, perfect for me but uh, you know things move on and life goes on and I go on (laughs) and still continue to look for some new position so anyway uh, so that enough about that junk uh, just um, what else did I want to cover before we get into you know heavy into the the trilogy of movies which is a a big favorite of mine that uh, back to the future trilogy uh i guess i want to say a few things i've gotten some recent contributions Uh, again uh those donations coming in uh, i got a few this week Uh, thanks guys very much for that if you want to donate to the podcast if you're maybe somebody who just uh, discovered it i've gotten a few emails like that lately people who have just maybe i don't know what it is you know they're searching maybe the star trek sort of resurgence from the film has led people to go into itunes and search star trek under podcasts and They've uh, written me and said they've been enjoying it and and listening to a lot of the back episodes and back podcasts. So I appreciate that. So if you're fairly new, uh, again, uh, I always uh, like new listeners. And uh, go over to the forums. Go to trexinsci-fi.com and sign up on the forums. That's another thing I always like to try to point out. We've had some new members there as well, doing the RPG game and all kinds of fun. So uh, all... You know, just a bunch of junk going on. Uh, We got G.I. Joe coming out later this week. Some cool sci fi with Warehouse 13 on and Eureka on TV. Uh, Just lots of stuff in that District 9 movie that has been sort of this very slow building, um, you know, marketing effort that they've been running for a long time but haven't really shown us a lot. Uh, The the commercials are starting to show up and it's hard to believe it's going to be in theaters in just a couple of weeks. Uh, another movie coming up uh, that has some sci-fi fantasy-type elements, The Time Traveler's Wife uh, is—I think that's the name of that book. Um, it's a very uh, popular book. That one's coming up. Uh, Eric Bana is in the role of the time traveler. Uh, what else is coming up? There's a few things in August, a couple other ones that are slipping my mind uh, Sort of sci fi ish related, and there was another one. Oh, I know what, what I saw last night. This this movie that I hadn't seen anything about until I found this trailer uh, on some site. This movie called Gamer, and uh, yes, it's about gaming, uh, and it's set sort of in the future. It um, the guy from 300. Where? Why am I blanking out of the actor? the The main actor guy in that movie is in it, uh, along with some other people. Actually, Michael C. Hall from Dexter, which I've just about finished season two of that. Um, anyway, this movie is is set in the future. It looks like it's sort of a virtual reality gaming kind of thing. But the the trick here is that the gamers control real people uh, somehow through some kind of electronic interface. I don't know all the details of how that uh, works, that technology. Uh, from the trailer, but the point of it is it's sort of like a uh, one of those shooter-type games that they're in, the, the gaming world is in, but it's it's also real, and these, these people that they're controlling are real people. I think they're supposed to be criminals, and if they volunteer to do this, they can get out of jail. It sort of reminds me of that remake from a couple of years back, or was it just a year ago? that death race remake where they were sort of prisoners and they had to participate in this death race. If they, uh, they won the race, they were able to get out of prison, that, that kind of an angle. Uh, but, uh, they show this young gamer who looks like a teenager controlling, Oh, it's Gerard Butler. I think that's how you say his name is the main, um, guy in the game who is sort of a prisoner, but is being controlled. And he's supposed to be, you know, the top, top guy. Uh, anyway, it looks very interesting. Check YouTube or other online sources for the trailer that comes out, I believe, in early September. So lots of stuff going on in the worlds of uh, movies and television and sci-fi entertainment in the next month or two.
3: Hello there, my name is Meds, and this is David Frost. You're not David Frost, all right? I mean, this is Mark, and we are the present Mark. Alright, get on with it. Okay, and we're the presenters of Waffle on Podcast, and we like to talk about crap. TV broadcast between 1960 to 1999. Would you say it's crap? Some of it. Really? (laughs) Especially the British stuff. But we're already had a podcast about that, so let's move up on that. Unbelievable. You can find us at the http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. Do not smile when I say the word colon. I'm not.
0: Oh yeah, there was another uh, series uh, that's starting that I wanted to mention. It, it starts on ABC tonight. Uh, it is a, a sort of a space drama. It's called De- Defying Gravity. Uh, Ron Livingston from the the great movie Office Space is is one of the main guys. It's a group of astronauts that are going to be sent on this space mission. It looks like they're trying to keep it fairly realistic, uh, and uh, you know, much like you know NASA and space travel and. And sort of the behind the you know the scenes lives of the astronauts and all of that. Anyway, I'm going to be tuning in uh, again. That starts uh, tonight, August second, on ABC. And I think this is supposed to be an ongoing TV series. I'm not sure if it's sort of a one of these trial runs, you know, for maybe six or seven weeks worth, and then see how the ratings go or, or what the deal is on that. But I'll be checking that out tonight on ABC. Also, I'd like to say uh, this uh, recent uh, mini-series event uh, for the third season of Torchwood. Uh, uh, Meds and uh, Kel there reminded me of that uh, when I did their Waffle On promo and played that. Anyway, uh, Torchwood did this sort of uh, five-part thing called Children of Earth. Uh, it has aired in uh, the UK and uh, on the... Uh, what is that channel called? The BBC America channel or whatever on cable networks. Uh, I've only actually managed to get uh, through the first three uh, episodes of it. It's a five-part uh, show. I need to watch two more. But this thing is really good. Uh, I don't know. If you are a fan of Torchwood, you'd uh, definitely enjoy it. If you're new to it, I would still... I think you'd probably still enjoy it, but I think you'd get more out of it if you knew uh, Torchwood. Uh, and again, this is uh, stars, um the actor uh, John Barrowman, Barrowman, I don't know how do you say B-A-R-R-O-W-M-A-N as Jack Harkness, and uh, just a good cast and solid show, and I'm really liking what they've done with this, and uh, I hope this isn't the end of Torchwood after I see the last two parts to it, uh, but check that out. I think you can get it online, streaming things and stuff like that. Uh, check out some sites that you uh, might be able to purchase it through. I don't know if it's available on iTunes yet. But Children of Earth, uh, season three of Torchwood, the five-part miniseries Children of Earth, is available. And and, um, definitely check it out. And now a sneak peek at the all-new Sci-Fi Channel original series, Stargate Universe. This GU is uh, is about survival more than anything else. These are real stories and real people with real concerns.
2: We can't continue to scrape by, barely surviving.
0: We can't say for sure
1: that this is going to get you home. The best minds that we have are working on this. It's sexier. It's grittier. It's going to have a different look. It's going to have a different feel. It's going to be written in a different way. If we continue this pace, we're going to die out here. Don't push! We have really dramatic turns with these characters, and having the audience really root for them and feel for them. But human will and and a story about hope and faith.
0: Yeah, that's also another upcoming uh, show, uh, the new Stargate series, Stargate Universe, which will be uh, premiering, I believe, on the Sci Fi Sci Fi channel in. I bl- think it's early october i'll have to check the exact date i thought it was like the first week of october when they're gonna premiere that and you know there's some more trailers that came out of uh comic con last weekend oh speaking of comic con and and other conventions i would love to have some audio reports uh hint kenny uh, or anyone else if you were at comic con and, and let me know what you thought and uh you know, just what you thought of the whole convention, different panels that you saw, whatever you'd like to send in. Uh, and comments like that are always welcome about anything uh, that's sci fi or fantasy related. Also, uh, coming up next weekend is the big annual Las Vegas Star Trek convention. They have that every August uh, for the past many years by Creation. Anyone who is in that area or happens to be listening to the podcast and going to, the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas the next weekend. I think it starts either on Thursday, actually, and runs through uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, next week. I would uh, love to have a report of what they're talking about. If you get any new inklings about the next film or anything like that, uh, please send that in. And um, I think that wraps up uh, all the other stuff I wanted to cover. And now let's go... goo... Go. <laughs> I need uh, some more iced tea. I'll go get a glass of that, and while I'm doing that, I'm going to play the trailer to Back to the Future. Steven
3: Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life.
1: No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley.
3: History is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that.
4: Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean?
3: He's sending Marty
1: 30 years ah! back in time. It works! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his
3: future father. He's a peeping
1: Tom. Wow! No!
3: And he's making an impression on his mother.
1: He's an absolute dream. And in my room. Ah. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Ah!
3: Now he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown Ooh! can help him get back to the future.
4: Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely.
1: Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is
2: heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that
1: word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational
0: pull? Back to the Future. Yeah, so there's the trailer for the first of the Back to the Future movies. uh, Back to the Future, not one, just called Back to the Future at the time because they never really at first intended to make uh, other films. Of course, they wanted this one to do well, and that uh, it certainly did. And let me give you some... uh, Background, well, I'll tell you just my thoughts. I can remember when I first saw, still saw this in the theaters and, and just loved it to, a lot. I loved all the actors. The story was just so well put together and solid. Uh, it, it just, you know, it had all so many elements that were enjoyable and fun. Uh, it wasn't really heavy science, and the time travel aspect was just to get them in the whole idea of being able to Uh, have uh, uh, the son, in this case, Michael J. Fox's character, uh, Marty McFly, be able to go back and visit his parents when they were in high school. And this movie kind of hits home these days for me because, you know, my kids are—the second one's going to be going to college soon, and, you know, when you try—when things come up with them— and and they sort of like look at you strange and and realize you weren't always like this 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 slightly slightly older person and that you did go to high school and college and you know had go out on dates and and you know do kids type things they they kind of like go no no you you were born the way you are now and they don't understand that but uh, back to the movie so anyway this just a fantastic concept. For this, um, let me give I'll give you some background and then we'll get into some clips and talk about, I'm going to really focus a lot on the first movie. I'll talk some about the second and the third as well. But, you know, they're also interconnected too, especially the first two movies. Uh, and the third is a little different than that, but we'll get to that in, in a few minutes. Uh, this movie first uh, was released in July uh, of 1985, so it's about 24 years old now. It was made for a budget of only $19 million at the time, which just seems you know, amazing to me. It was the biggest movie of 1985. It made uh, about $380 million. Just did fantastic for them. Uh, and... I'm saying a lot of this because when I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the background and the, and the early days of, of getting this story going and how difficult it was, and, and traditionally there are so many movies, especially genre movies, you know, sci-fi, fantasy films. I, I think even to this day, although they're a little easier for for studios to accept these days than they were maybe 20, 30 years ago. But still, there's always been this uphill battle, and there are are cl- constant stories and and classic tales of studios that reject films that go on to do amazing business, which just makes you really wonder how good these guys are are at picking you know hits and and things that will do well and and hit that right chord with the public versus things that won't. You know, it's uh, you know Star Wars is a great example of that. You know, Star Wars and George Lucas, that film got got you know moved around, and he tried to get studio after studio to accept, and then eventually Twentieth Century Fox, of course, said all right, but they only gave him like eight nine million bucks or whatever it was, something like that. It was just you know so surprising now when you think about, and of course hindsight is twenty twenty, but my point is. Even people that do this for a living seem to not have a clue of what the public will like or won't, won't, what they won't like. So, uh, but back to back, back to back to the future. I'm sure I'm going to be saying things like that a lot in today's uh, podcast. Uh, again, a, a great, great set of films. Uh, one of my all favorite uh, movies and, and trilogies that are around. Uh, Writer producer uh, Bob Gale. Uh, he first thought of this idea when he was visiting his parents' uh, home uh he found his high school his father's high school yearbook saw that uh that he was a president in his graduating class his father was and then he saw a picture of his mother and things like that and he he you know she said something like she uh had never really kissed boys when she was growing up even though that what turned out to be not true and you know he wondered to himself if he had gone to school with his father or his mother you know would they have been friends this is all Bob Gale, who uh, wrote, uh, co-wrote this movie and was the producer on it, uh, along with uh, Bob Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis, who directed this uh, this film, they wrote it together. First, uh, had their first draft done in about in February of 1981. Now, can, can keep in mind that this movie didn't come out until 1985. It was mostly filmed about a year before that. So it, it's a very long process to make a, a movie. Uh, they they put it uh, out there for lots of different studios. Columbia Pictures at first, they they thought it was a cute little idea, you know, this idea of a kid going back in time to see his parents in high school and all this. But they they didn't really bite. Uh, they took it to a lot of different studios. I, basically, every major film studio turned them down, even with multiple drafts and and changes to the film. Uh, they they were told to sort of make it a little more sexy, a little more risque. Uh, but then it it was, it it just didn't work. They, uh, they also took it to Disney. Disney didn't like it because this idea of this sort of slightly sexual tension relationship between a mother, uh, even though she's younger for her son, they, they didn't really want to go for that. Um, but then they eventually kind of got, uh, hooked up with Steven Spielberg, who of course was very successful and uh was a good producer and knew how to get uh things done in Hollywood and that kind of helped them out and eventually got them uh, together with universal pictures who eventually were the 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 you know the production company that uh, greenlit the movie and then all was well at that point uh some interesting things uh marty's character at first uh was was quite a bit different he was kind of a video pirate kind of a not a great uh type of character you know as far as his personality and everything the time machine went through lots of different changes at first it was going to be a refrigerator they were going to use a refrigerator he had to climb inside of it and then they were going to need to use like the 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 power of like an uh, atomic blast and take it out to like the nevada you know test sites for uh, nuclear weapons in order to uh get back home after he traveled back in time, complicated things like that. But uh, then they they settled on this idea of this DeLorean time machine. And I've got some clips and Doc, the way he talks about the machine and all. It, it made a lot of sense to have the machine, the time machine, something a little more flexible, a little more portable than uh, something like a refrigerator would be. And also the other added benefit of the DeLorean kind of has this sort of futuristic, weird kind of look to that vehicle and that car, especially if it ends up in the past. You know, it's got the gull wings, the funny looking front and all of that, uh, made out of stainless steel and everything. So people in the past would mistake it as sort of like a a crashed alien spaceship and all that And then uh, that really worked out well. So, all these little changes that they slowly made uh, to the film over time worked their way into the script and the story. So, uh, I think I'm going to take a break. I'll come back with more of that behind the scenes details and some of the casting of the movie and everything after I play um, a clip from Back to the Future.
1: Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Calm down, Marty, I didn't disintegrate anything. The molecular structure of both Einstein and the car are completely intact. Where the hell are they? The appropriate question is, where the hell are they? You see, Einstein has just become the world's first time traveler. I sent him into the future. One minute into the future, to be exact. And precisely... 1.21 a.m. in zero seconds. We shall catch up with
4: him at the time machine. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built
1: a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides, the stainless steel construction made the flux dispersal... Look out! <laughs>
0: Yeah, great scene. Just so many great scenes in this movie. It was hard to uh, pick out all the clips and the particular ones to play. Let's talk a little bit about the casting. Of course, Michael J. Fox is Marty McFly. Hard to imagine, uh, like in many classic uh, TV and movie roles, hard to imagine anyone else. But uh, the interesting thing here is that uh, another actor, a very good actor named Eric Stoltz, who was in that movie The Mask. He's done a lot of great work over the years. He was first cast as Marty. Uh, They actually wanted Michael J. Fox, but due to his commitment to the TV show Family Ties, he really wasn't available. So they, they cast Eric Stoltz. They started to actually film for a few weeks, like four weeks or so, but Bob Zemeckis especially uh, decided that Stoltz just wasn't right for the part. He was uh, a good actor, very dramatic, and, and but just a little too serious in the part. They wanted somebody a little bit more cocky, a little bit more funny, and, and somebody with uh, just a little different take on the, on the role. And so they went after Michael J. Fox again. He had a uh, little bit of an opening in his schedule uh, with Family Ties, and the... the Basic rule was, or the the commitment was, that Michael J. Fox they would allow him to make Back to the Future the movie, but the, he still had to work on Family Ties at the same time. So uh, during the period of time they filmed Back to the Future, he was doing both. Uh, he did a lot of the of Family Ties filming during the day, and then into the evening and the early hours of the morning, they would film uh, the Back to the Future movie. And Michael J. Fox was like living on a couple of hours of sleep while he was doing this. Which was, you know, very difficult, of course. And, and Michael J. Fox just loved the script, loved the story. And, you know, he was very sad, you know, they, you know, having to uh, fire Eric Stoltz. But they, uh, you know, they were very sensitive and they just said he wasn't quite right for the part. Michael J. Fox also said that the movie for him was almost like, uh, you know, going back in time a little itself, even though he was about 20 years old when they were, sorry, more than that, like 23, I think, or so, when they were filming this, uh, 23, 24, uh, Michael J. Fox was that old at the time filming this movie. He said it was very much like high school for him, you know, skateboarding, chasing girls, and 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 just being, you know, wanting to be in a rock band, all of that. Uh, uh, let's talk about the other main role. Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown. Again, a fantastic, great job here, uh, and also it seems hard to imagine anybody else but they actually wanted John Lithgow, another very similar kind of an actor play who could play sort of eccentric and crazy very well. Did that in the Buckaroo Banzai movie and a lot of other things. Uh, they, um, they thought that he would be good. John Lithgow would be good for it. But uh, John Lithgow wasn't available. So then they went to their next choice, which was Christopher Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd originally, though, he turned down the part. But uh, he eventually changed his mind after reading this script, and also his his wife kind of slightly talked him into the role. Uh, He actually improvised a lot of his scenes, uh, or a good portion of it. Uh, He said he took a lot of his inspiration from things that he had heard about and read about about Albert Einstein and even uh, a conductor, uh, Leopold Stokowski. Uh, Brown pronounces gigawatts as gigawatts. Uh, which was actually the manner of us you know physicists would would say it that way sometimes. so they, uh, they had him do it that way in the movie too. instead of again a gigawatt they, he, he'd always pronounce it jig like uh, you know a wood jig or do, dancing a jig he pronounces gigawatts in the movie even though they're talking about uh, gigawatts uh, Crispin Glover, uh, we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, he, uh, playing George McFly is just fantastic as well. He improvised a lot of the nerdiness and the, the crazy mannerisms that George has, his hands, uh, you know, he, 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 he tried to, you know, Bob Zemeckis a lot of times had, had to kind of rein him back in cause he just got a little too far out there. Uh, Leah Thompson as Lorraine, as as Marty's mom, and then the young Lorraine. Uh, she was uh, had done uh, scenes with Eric Stoltz, and they uh, they loved her in the part as well. And then you know we have Thomas uh, F. Wilson as Biff Tannen. Just a fantastic, great cast for Back to the Future. Uh, really did uh, an amazing job. I had a horrible nightmare. Dreamed I went.
4: Back in time. It was terrible. Well, safe and sound now, back in good old 1955. 1955? You're my. You're my. My name is Lorraine. Lorraine Bates? Yeah! But you're. Uh, you're so. Uh, you're so. <sighs> then just relax, Calvin. You've got a big bruise on your head. Where <sighs> huh. are my pants? Over there. On my hope chest. I've never seen purple underwear before, Calvin. Calvin, why why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well, that is your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein? It's written all over your underwear. Ah. Oh, I guess they call you Cal. Huh? No, actually, people call me Marty.
3: Oh.
0: Yeah, it's a good scene there where uh, he is uh, discovered, uh, you know, he gets kind of hit by the car thing. And then he wakes up in his mother's uh, house when she's growing up and she thinks his name is Calvin Klein because it's on his underwear. It's just great little stuff like that that makes these movies so so much fun to watch. Uh, a little bit more uh, little tidbits here. Uh, Leonard Nimoy was actually uh, possibly or was considered a, as a possible uh, director for the film before Bob Zemeckis took the job. He wasn't really able to work on it, though, because he was starting to work on uh, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home at the time so they had to use Bob Zemeckis especially you know it made more sense anyway he had worked on the story and the script for the movie and so that that worked out pretty well uh what else did i want to mention the uh most of the the, the scenes in uh the town and everything with the clock tower and all that is all on universal's backlot uh on their uh their actual universal studios uh lot there in california they did you know it would have been hard for them to do that in a regular town having to redress it and make it look like it was set in the 50s so they were able to do that Uh, doc brown's house is actually uh, called the gamble house it's a uh, historic location in in uh, it was turned over to actually usc owns that house it's a museum now and it looks really good. I love the way they dressed his house and his garage and everything, You know, making it look both sort of futuristic somewhat and also you know, had a lot of old antiques and things in it inside as well. Uh, all kinds of little uh, trivia things I want to try to pass on to you. Uh, the Twin Pines Mall, you'll notice in this movie, and I think I remember seeing or noticing this when I saw it a couple of times or after. At the beginning of the movie... The 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 mall that they meet at where the DeLorean is first, you know, goes back in time with Einstein and eventually with Michael J. Fox with Marty is called Twin Pines Mall. But if you look at the end of the movie after Marty, when he goes back into uh, 1955, it's not called Lone Pine Mall because when Marty first goes back in time, he knocks down this pine tree on on old man Peabody's farm. Uh, and even the name Peabody comes from uh, the old uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons. Uh, there was this um, scientist named Peabody on there, uh, part of their little short uh, shorts that they would do in their con- in their cartoon series. Uh, just a ton of stuff. Again, uh, the uh, what else? You know, the fact that they use the Delorean. It shows up in the barn. it Looks like this spaceship. Uh, and a lot of the music that they use in this movie is done very well. That's a whole subject. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Ellen Silvestri does the musical orchestra, orchestral score, excuse me, and does a great job. It was really a very big score at the time uh, that they uh, put this together for the movie. And there's also a lot of great songs in this film, uh, a lot of them by Huey Lewis and the News. Uh, especially the uh, a huge hit for them, the power of love. Yeah, great song great soundtrack both the uh, the orchestral uh, orchestral <laughs> there i go again uh, by alan silvestri and huey lewis's music as well let's play another clip from uh, back to the future
2: hey, Fly. what do you think
1: you're doing hey i'm talking to you mcfly you irish bug oh hey biff hey guys how are you doing yeah, you got my homework finished mcfly uh
2: uh-huh. Well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till Monday... I... Hello?
1: Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think but fly,
2: Think. I gotta have time to recopy it. you realize what would happen if I hand in my homework and your handwriting? i will get kicked
1: out of school. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you? Would Wait, you? Well, now, of course not, if <laughs> no, I wouldn't no. want that to happen. What are you looking at, butthead? Hey, Biff gave all of this guy's life preserver dork thinks he's gonna
4: drown yeah so uh, how about my homework mcfly uh okay biff well i'll uh i'll finish that on up tonight and then i'll uh bring it over first thing tomorrow morning
1: okay not too early i sleep in sunday oh mcfly
2: your shoes are tied! <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> don't be so gullible mcfly okay. i don't want to see you in here okay again. <laughs> all right bye <bye-bye>. bye <laughs>
0: Yeah, good, uh, good part there. Uh, you know the the conflict and you know the bully biff with his father, uh, with George, and the way Michael J. Fox's character, where Marty goes back in time and just does a few little things to build his father's confidence up, and, and and changes and sets into motion this whole thing that makes his life so different when he's older is 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 really an interesting idea. You know they treat it fairly light here in these movies, but I, I like that. You know these. These points in time where little things in, that you do or change or, you know, if you do a certain thing one way can really set uh, your life into a different direction. It's, it's very cool, and I don't know if they've ever had, you know, quite the kind of movie that they've been able to do with Back to the Future in another way. You know, usually it's big things. It's like go back and save the Titanic or go back and change this and do that. You know, but I like this movie because it's not really like that, although sometimes— especially what happens in the second movie, which we'll get to in a few minutes, you know, there are little things that do can create large changes, just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago or when I had the podcast about Quantum Leap. So I guess this has kind of been a time travel uh, trend here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Another uh, actor that was considered for the role of the doc was jeff goldblum another kind of quirky different kind of actor probably would have been good in the part as well uh but uh, again christopher lloyd just does a great job with it this movie also is is the day in the days of you know no real computer generated graphics and there are only really 32 or so special effects uh, true special effects shots in this entire film most of it's done actually there on on the stage on on the set with them of course, they used a lot of makeup to make the characters, the actors, look a lot older than themselves, and, and really a good job with that. I think they did a fantastic job with his parents making the uh, Leia Thompson and uh, Crispin Glover look a lot older uh, in the movie. You see them as that first, and then you see them younger, and I think that works best. I think if you see characters in something young and then they try to make them old, it doesn't come off quite as well. But for some reason in this movie where you first see them, that's like your initial impression. They're, they're old. They're Marty's parents. And then when you see them younger, it it, it really works so much better, I think. And, and it's something I've thought about a few times when I watched this movie, how much that seems to... Uh, be accepted and you go look at them and you go is that even the same people I I don't know there's just something about the way they pull it off in this movie that really is uh, uh, really well done Uh, also another little kind of niche or trivia thing there's an old Ernest Borgnine movie called Marty great movie definitely worth seeking out from 1955 Remember, that's the year that Marty goes back to in this movie. So that's kind of a weird coincidence, isn't it? They name, and it's kind of an unusual name, they name uh, Michael J. Fox, this, this character's uh, name is Marty, and there was a film called Marty from 1955, and that movie actually won the Best Picture, I believe, for that year. So very interesting coincidence, I thought, uh, uh, even though they were unaware of it uh, at the time. Here's another clip from Back to the Future, and I think this one's sort of an extended one. If you pick up the DVDs, there are a lot of deleted uh, scenes or sometimes extended scenes. This one is in the movie. It's just a little more extended in this clip, so listen to this. This is a fun part of the movie.
4: are you? My name is Darth Vader. I am an extraterrestrial from the planet Vulcan. Mom! Dad! silence! My heat ray will vaporize you if you do not obey me.
1: Okay, okay, I surrender, I surrender.
4: You, George McFly, have created a rift in the space-time continuum. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I... I didn't mean it. Sorry doesn't cut it, George. The Supreme Klingon hereby commands you to take the female unit known as Baines Lorraine to the place called Hill Valley High School exactly four Earth cycles from now. That's this Saturday night, George. You mean... You want me to take... Lorraine to the dance Affirmative
2: I
1: I don't know if I can do that Okay Okay Alright I'll do it I'll take Lorraine to the dance Just please
4: Now close your eyes And see me no more Okay
0: Yeah, there are uh, quite a few little nods in this movie to different things. Uh, One is, uh, of course, the the classic uh, movie, The Time Machine from 1960. The opening uh, sequence to the Back to the Future movie with all the ticking clocks and all of that is is kind of a direct lift or homage or homage, however you say it, to The Time Machine from uh, from 1960. And uh, a couple other things. Uh, For example, uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd's character, the Doc, uh, also called Emmett, that's his first name, if you put Emmett backwards, Emmett backwards the, is time. So that, that was kind of a neat thing that uh, they came up with, you know, E-M-I-T for, um, even though it's spelled a little different, you know, Emmett is E-M-M-E-T-T, I think. So, but they took um, just the, the way you pronounce it backwards as being time. So uh, for uh, Doc Brown's character's first name. Einstein, uh, you know, the dog, a a nice little, uh, you know, thing there to somebody with the theory of relativity with uh, Albert Einstein. Uh, Even uh, uh, one little other little side note, Corey Hart, the pop singer, was even asked to try out for the role of Marty in Screen Tests. So lots of uh, a lot of cool behind the scenes information you can find online about these movies. Uh, Let's play another clip. This is a really fun part of the movie. The next one I'm going to play for you. One of my favorite scenes between... uh, There's a lot of scenes between Doc and Marty, between Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, that really work well. These two obviously enjoyed their time working together and really play off each other. And this is uh, one of those uh, scenes.
1: Whoa, this is it. This is the part coming up, Doc. No, 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 no. This sucker's electrical. But I need a nuclear reaction to to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. What did I just say? (laughs) This sucker's electrical, but I need a nuclear reaction to to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity... 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Great Scott! What? What the hell is a gigawatt? How could I have been so careless 1.21 gigawatts? How am I going to generate that kind of power? It can't be done, can it? Doc, look, all we need is a little plutonium. Oh, I'm sure that in 1985, plutonium was available in every corner drugstore, but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. Marty, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid you're stuck here. Whoa, whoa, Doc, stuck here? I can't, I can't be stuck here. I got a wife in
4: 1985. I got a girl. Is she pretty? She's beautiful. Crazy about me. Look at this. Look what you wrote here, Doc. I mean.
1: That says it all. Doc. You're my only hope. Marty, I'm sorry. But the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. What did you say? A bolt of lightning. Unfortunately, you never know when or where it's ever gonna strike. We do now. is it. This is the answer. It says here that a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night. If we could somehow harness this lightning, channel it into the flux capacitor, it just might work. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Saturday's good. Saturday's
0: good. I can spend a... a really clever and, and nice thing that they did and, and the thing I enjoy about this movie is you have two kind of things going on at the same time. You have what Michael J. Fox, what Marty's uh, that character is doing with his, his parents trying to bring them together, uh, you know, do something for them because, of course, he, he, he notices he's sort of altered history, and also he's trying to make things better. He's you know He doesn't like Biff and the bulliness and all that. And then you've got the other side of it with him and Doc and him trying to get back to the future and, and all of that. Uh, you know, Very nicely blended together in the movie itself, and it comes together very well, of course, at the end and the dance. And the scene, I think it's the next clip that I have for you, the scene where uh that he's marty has talked his father into sort of standing up to biff and what sets him off finally is of course biff uh and uh he uh he pulls kind of biff off of lorraine and uh, you know george gets pretty upset by all that well let me play the clip it's a little hard to tell but if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about how this works out uh where george punches out Biff.
1: biff, biff.
4: leave him alone let her go! go. go.
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay?
0: Yeah, I always uh, really like that scene. They did it so well. I, Crispin Glover does a, a really great job uh, with that part. I mean, I like how he's so like worked up about punching Biff. Not, not I mean like worked up like good. He's just show he's like shaking in that scene, and it really, really a good job. And, and it seems so real to me. Uh, what kind of puts him over the edge? You know, Biff shoves down Lorraine, and then he gets up the guts to. Uh, to punch him out, and then that of course sets into motion a lot of changes for his life. Of course, Marty still has to play the little song and do his little uh, Chuck Berry imitation. I-, I was hearing and reading uh, and and listening to some of the behind the scenes stuff on the DVDs. Michael J. Fox actually is a pretty good guitar player and learned how to play, even though his, his voice is dubbed in the movie, he learned how to play the song. So you don't really see him. He's not faking those. I'm not a guitar player, but he, he's not faking playing the, that song at the end uh, that you see. Next clip I've got for you is, uh, I think this is when he's saying goodbye to his younger parents, which is a nice scene in the movie that I, uh, I like quite a bit.
1: Blaine. Marty, that was very interesting
4: music. Uh, yeah. Um, um, I hope you don't mind, but George asked if he could take me home. Great, good, good, Lorraine. I have a feeling about you, (laughs) too.
2: I have a feeling, too.
4: Listen, I gotta go. But, uh, I wanted to tell you that it's been educational.
3: Marty, will we ever see you again?
4: I guarantee it. Well, Marty... I want to thank you for all your good advice. I'll never forget it. Right, George. Well, uh, good luck, you guys. Oh, one other thing. If you guys ever have kids, and one of them, when he's eight years old, accidentally sets fire to the living room rug, go easy on him. Okay. Marty. Such a nice name.
0: And of course, Marty gets back to his own time, ends up back in in Lone Pine Mall. Uh, That uh, was actually uh, the mall that they filmed in in the evening. There is the uh, Puento Hills Mall in the City of Industry in California. Uh, You see J.C. Penney in the background, even though that's no longer currently in that mall, uh, if you ever visit it, if you're in California. And uh, here, we got one more clip. I think this is just from the movie, uh, from the first film of the series, and then we're going to be getting into some of the other stuff, the other films, uh, real briefly and quickly. Uh, This is when Marty gets back and is talking to the doc. What
4: about all that talk about screwing up future events? The space-time continuum?
1: Well, I figured what the hell?
4: So how far ahead are you going?
1: About 30 years. It's a nice round number.
4: Look me up when you get there, all right? Guess I'll be about 47. I will. Take care. You too. Bye-bye, Annie. Oh, and watch that re-entry. It's a little bumpy.
1: You bet.
0: Yeah, so that's the first one. Uh, Some Hopefully interesting, some behind-the-scenes things. I'm going to talk more about that a little bit as we get into talking about parts two and three of this cool trilogy. Uh, Part two comes out in 1989, but I want to follow this up just with a little bit of behind-the-scenes audio from the DVDs this first bit you know this this was filmed in early 85 not too long before it was released really quick production because of again michael j fox's commitment to family ties and here you'll hear him talking a little bit about that after they wrapped up a filming of the first of the back to the future movies i
4: guess we finished in march or april i went away to the beach to the caribbean for a couple of weeks and then i went right away to go do a tv movie family ties goes to london so I'm in England, and I just get a phone call from my agents saying, this is the biggest movie in America, will soon be the biggest movie in the world. And I didn't even know what that meant. I thought, oh, that's nice. They said, no, you don't understand. This is huge. This is massive. I was like, oh, yeah, cool, great. Good, you know, I'll do better next time. I'll, I'll try to do a better job. And then I came back to the States, and at that point, I was fairly well-known from television, but it just was a whole different thing. All of a sudden, I had people camping out in my yard it was different. Are we back? The sequel actually was a long time coming. I guess it was five years between the time we did Back to the Future and set about doing two and three. Once we saw the response to the movie, it was a foregone conclusion it was gonna happen. And I remember having conversations with Bob and Bob about what it would be about. And so, you know, it was something I look forward to.
0: So there you hear a little bit about Michael J. Fox. Uh, you know, just a terrific guy uh, and, and a wonderful actor. Uh, it's uh, it's great to hear him talk about these movies and how much he enjoyed doing them. Highly recommend picking up the DVDs. Uh, definitely worth owning and, and watching. A lot of cool behind-the-scenes stuff. Still not out on Blu-ray at all, though, which is kind of surprising to me. But I'm sure it'll eventually happen in high def. Uh Let's move on now. The next clip here I want to play for you uh, to sort of segue into the second film, and we're going to go through the next couple pretty quickly. Uh, this is Bob Zemeckis, I think, talking a little bit about uh, the possible or the the idea of a sequel, especially since the first film was so huge and did so well and the biggest movie of 1985. Uh, in- inevitable, basically, that there would be a sequel, although it was surprising it took almost five years to get another one out, f- about four, actually. Uh, the-, the first, or Back to the Future Part Two, came out in 89, four years after uh, the first one did.
1: Back to the Future
2: We had never designed the first Back to the Future to have a sequel The flying car at the end was a joke And it worked as a great joke and a great payoff Everyone assumed that we had this grand design Like George Lucas did about Star Wars to have all these sequels My only hope for Back to the Future ever was that it would make its money back Obviously, I wasn't designing the movie for a sequel because if I was, I never would have put the girlfriend in the car because that became a gigantic problem in writing the sequels and I would have only had the doc and Marty be in the car. Then I could have put them on any adventure. But what happens is, is that when you make a movie that's this successful, it becomes a piece of real estate, it becomes a franchise, and the reality comes at you very quickly, which is we're making a sequel, and you guys can either help us or not but the sequel is going to be made
0: And of course we have Back to the Future Part 2 comes out in late 1989 November 22nd a budget of about 40 million made about 330 million did very well and here is the trailer to Back to the Future Part 2
1: Do you remember the future are we back we're back what do you mean we're in the future October 21st 2015 Marty we're gonna be able to see our wedding wow the future I gotta check this out doc look what happened to your son wow <laughs> a complete wimp. Don't talk to anyone. You've been looking. Bob. Hey, look. Don't touch anything. I need to borrow your hoverboard. And yeah. I try not to look at anything. I didn't invent the time machine to win at gambling. I can't lose. I invented the time machine to travel through time. Hey, Doc,
4: I'm all for that. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side?
1: No. The time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. But they'll all be back. Eat, slackers. Biff? Hello? Hello, anybody home? Why, they can't be you. You're so big. Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. Michael J. Fox. Well, like a couple of teenagers, you know. And Michael J. Fox. Mom, is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future, Part 2. Coming November 22nd to theaters everywhere.
0: Okay, so part two, uh, we're going to again go through uh, part two and three pretty quick, especially part three will be really quick. Uh, This one uh, came out in 1989. Uh, A few things about this. First off, uh, they got most of the cast back, except for Crispin Glover, who seems to have, eh, at least at this time, I don't know, you know, who knows, he had a little bit of an ego, I guess, and was asking for a lot of special things uh, and uh, a salary as much as Michael J. Fox and, and just things that they didn't really want to give him. And they they basically wrote him out. If you notice, he's not, uh, as George McFly, he's not in this movie very much. He's even killed off in the alternate reality of 1985. And you only see him sort of as an older version in the future. And they did try to make him look like... uh, crispin glover again and actually that led to a lawsuit that crispin glover uh sued steven spielberg i guess over using his likeness i guess it's one thing to recast uh, a role and and not change the appearance like they had to do it with uh marty's girlfriend jennifer uh is uh is recast in this elizabeth shue plays jennifer in parts two and three and uh, Claudia Wells was for the uh, in the first film, in the first Back to the Future. Unfortunately, her mother had been diagnosed with cancer, and that's why she didn't come back uh, for uh, the movie here in Parts 2 and 3. There was no kind of dispute of her salary or anything like that. I'm sure she would have loved to have been able to do it. And, you know, that's one of those situations where she just had a private situation going on that... And she's uh, she kind of didn't do a lot of acting, actually, but she's been getting back into it in the last couple of years. So uh, but Claudia Wells was out and Elizabeth Shue was in. But unlike Crispin Glover's character of George, they didn't really try to make her look like the other Jennifer. All they did was dress her kind of in the similar clothes. They reshot the very ending of Back to the Future 1 to put into part two. And then, uh, you know, of course, after that, you heard Bob Zemeckis' comments there about how it was a little awkward. She doesn't really have a lot to do in part two and definitely not in part three. Uh, So it was, you know, putting her in that car, you could see in the first film, they never really intended to do another movie. So that really complicated things. I guess you could have easily said, oh, they didn't make it to the future or that they showed them a few weeks later and they didn't pick up right after part one. I'm sure they thought all about that, but it worked out. and It was kind of fun to see her uh, seeing herself as an older person and all of that. Uh, What else did I want to say before I'll play a couple of clips from this movie, not very much. Uh, that's about it, I guess. You know, the the main cast being back, the way they showed the future was kind of fun. You know, uh, they they talk about that a little in the behind the scenes stuff. It's always hard to show the future. You know, gosh, it was. You know, they're they're showing twenty fifteen. We're only like five years or so away from that now, and we're certainly not looking, you know, we don't have hoverboards and flying cars. Where are our flying cars at anyway? Why do people always think we're going to ever have flying cars? Why would we ever do that? I don't ever see that. I see mass transit. I I, I see things like that happening. But flying cars, flying anything for individual people, I, I I frankly never see that as ever happening, not for a very, very long time. Uh, I, I I get scared on the road. Just think about people all flying all over the place, whatever they want to do. So, um, let's play a clip from the movie. Obviously, the time continuum has
1: been disrupted, creating this new temporal event sequence, resulting in this alternate reality. English, Doc. Here, here, here. Let me let me illustrate. Imagine that this line represents time the present 1985 the future and the past prior to this point in time somewhere in the past the timeline skewed into this tangent creating an alternate 1985 alternate to you me and Einstein but reality for everyone else recognize this It's the bag the sports book came in. I know, because the receipt was still inside. I found them in the time machine, along with this. It's
4: the top of Biff's cane. I mean, all Biff from the future.
1: Correct, it was in the time machine because Biff was in the time machine with the sports alternac.
0: And that's what sets up the very interesting and clever uh way and sequences of things that they did in Back to the Future Part 2. They were able to uh through this uh, sports book you know situation, you know, Biff old Biff from the future takes this uh sports betting uh well or or a sports statistics book from that show all the you know winning things and sports from fifty, nineteen fifty to two thousand. He takes that uh from the future back to the past in nineteen fifty-five gives it to his young self then and that changes everything. Biff then becomes very wealthy, very successful in 1985, uh, the new version of 1985 that Doc and Marty are then uh, put into when they when you heard that last clip is everything's altered. Uh, George uh, Marty's father has been killed he was shot he finds his grave uh, stone out in the in the cemetery. And M- Marty's mom is now uh, married to Biff, which is just uh, terribly nasty. And, and then they show her, and she's kind of this drunk. And, you know, you obviously feel bad for her because when George died, her her life kind of, you know, changed drastically and everything. Uh, and, of course, Biff, being very rich and powerful now, has just destroyed the, the whole Hill Valley territory and area and turned it into kind of a gutter and everything. And it's altered everything, and it's all because Marty wanted to take this um, book of sports statistics back and, uh, you know, make a little money off of it. So that uh, is the the crux of this. And it's very cool how they then go back in time to 55 again and integrate scenes from the first movie into this movie. You know, this gets all rather confusing to think about and to talk about, but they, they pull it off very well. You know, Bob Gale, Robert Zemeckis, again, wrote this one. Uh, They wrote all three, and I think they do a good job of integrating the old and the new. And it's neat to see some of those scenes from the first movie that we enjoyed so much back in this one. I'm going to play another clip here from the movie. I think this is towards the end of Back to the Future Part 2, and then I'll be right back.
1: Okay, relax, Doc. It's me. It's me. It's Martin. No, oh, I can't be. Just so sent you back to the future.
4: Yeah. Oh, I know. He did send me back to the future, but I'm back.
1: I'm back from the future.
0: That's the end there of the second, uh, you know, part two of Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, Sorry I had to cruise through that without playing a whole lot of clips, uh, unlike the first one. It's a great movie, a good follow up, lots of fun stuff, uh, and well worth seeing as well. Let me play some of the behind the scenes discussion here about the third movie, Back to the Future Part 3. And this was released only about six months after Part 2. So they were, uh, you know, they filmed this one right away. And uh, here, I think this is Bob Zemeckis talking a little bit about uh, Part 3.
2: Back to the Future of Three isn't necessarily a Western. It's a time travel movie with our characters that goes to the 1800s. So we'll have horses and guns and shootouts, and steam trains and all that stuff. But it's the West seen through the eyes of a kid from the 80s. What's your name, dude? Clint. What kind
1: of stupid name is that?
4: In as much as Back to the Future appeals to the kid and everyone, I think being a cowboy appeals to the kid and everyone. I remember when there was talk of a sequel, and they said to me, if you were going to go somewhere, where would you want to go? And I said, well, you know, the Old West, you know, everybody wants to be a cowboy. And they were like, yeah, 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 we do too, we do too.
0: From out of the west,
1: in a cloud of dust, a thunder of hooves, and a mighty. Oh, Chris Scott! I
3: know, this is heavy. Indians! This summer, Marty and Doc go back one more time for their greatest adventure
2: of all.
1: Doc's living in the past. try trying, tenant! But he's about to be history. What kind of a future do you call that?
4: I'm going back to 1885, and I'm bringing you home. It's the last roundup.
1: It's the final showdown. Hey, lighten up, jerk. Where Marty makes a name for himself. What's your name, dude? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. What kind of stupid name is that? Doc meets his mate. I saved my life. I'm a I just heard a And Tannen meets his match. I'll hunt you and shoot you down like a duck. It's dog, Buford. Shoot him down like a dog. Michael J. Fox.
2: Where'd you learn to shoot like that?
1: 7 Eleven. Christopher Lloyd. There's a fella that can't hold his liquor. Ah! And Mary
2: Steenburgen I never ever met a man like you before. <clears throat>
1: Gentlemen, excuse me, but my friend and I have to catch a train. This summer, Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis invite you. Come on, Barney! To the rough right <laughs> rip rock rootin' toothin',
3: straight shootin'.
1: It does hold up. It's a science experiment.
3: Rousing conclusion of Back to the Future. Let the
1: begins! Back to the Future, Part
0: 3. Back to the Future, Part 3, uh, released uh, in uh, May uh, 25th of 1990. Uh, also did very well. Uh, budget for this one up to about $40 million. Uh, made about $245 million in the U.S. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, that's a, U, that's a worldwide figure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Most of the figures I think I've listed today on the show uh, are worldwide numbers. And this is a fun movie. It's a lot different than the other two. The other two are a lot more there's a lot more jumping through time, especially in the second one. So this was a big departure being a western and all of that. But it it's got a lot of really sweet moments in it. It's nice to see the doc with a, you know, romantic uh, love story angle and and, and that and, and there's some neat effects and, you know, being back in the west uh, the people from the future, Doc and Marty. There, there's some fun moments as well. And, and again, they've got the cast back in different roles again in this movie as well. I'm going to play a, a one clip here from the very end of the movie that I like. And, and then we'll wrap up uh, today's podcast.
1: This is Marty and Jennifer. Doc, I thought I'd never see you again. You can't keep a good tireless down. After all, I had to come back right, Stein. Well, I didn't want you to be worried about me. Oh, I brought you a little souvenir. It's great, Doc. Thanks. Dr. Brown? this note back in the future and now it's a race. Of course it's a race! But what does that mean? It means your future hasn't been written yet! No one's has! Your future is whatever you make it, For make it a good one. Both of you! We will, Doc! Stand back! All right, boys, buckle up! Hey Doc! Where are you going now? Back to the future? Nope. Already in there!
0: So there we have a very brief look at the last uh, couple of the movies, especially the third in the Back to the Future trilogy of films. Uh, just, I can't say how much uh, these are fun to see again. So much uh, cool things and energy in them. And there's just something kind of sweet about uh, uh, the movies as well, the relationship between uh, Doc and Marty and and how he tries to help out his parents in the first movie. And even into the second one, I, I just really great set of films. I can't say uh, uh, too much or, or, or can't praise them enough, I guess. And it would be really nice to see something like this in, in the movies again. I don't, I don't know. Some days, you know, I still enjoy the movies and, and there have been some good ones this summer. But there's just something about uh, these films that uh, we just don't see quite as much. There's sort of an innocence or something about them. I don't know. Hard to say but I enjoy them and I hope you enjoyed uh, my discussion and some of the little things I brought up about the Back to the Future trilogy. I've got a clip here from uh, Meds and and his uh, thoughts on Back to the Future and I'll come back and finish off today's show.
3: Hi Rico, this is Meds from Waffle On Podcast and of course the forums here at Trex in Sci-Fi. Fantastic that you're doing a podcast all about Back to the Future. It's one of my all-time favorite films. In fact, I, I love all three of them. They're all like, oh, just brilliant stuff, and it reminds me of um, back in the mid '80s when I was 12, 13, going to the cinema to see them. And I saw, went to the cinema to see all um, three of them. I had a bit of a poke about to um, see if I could find some interesting facts about it. And I know you can get the, the DVD, and I, I was meant to get it actually last week. i and I never did get around to getting it. So I think I, I'm going to have to get it after hearing this podcast. Um, Eric Stoltz was originally cast as Martin McFly and uh, I, I did hear a rumour that he, he'd done some filming for it. so I went searching on the internet and found no footage but I did find uh, pictures of him um, but apparently he didn't act uh, enough like a teenager so he was replaced, uh, replaced by um, Michael J Fox and his, his costume ultimately was, was totally changed uh, the pictures I've seen of Eric Stoltz he's not wearing the um, his body warmer style jacket another thing I found out as well the main street in that is the same one is used in Gremlins <laughs> what a brilliant uh, what a brilliant uh, film that was as well <laughs> uh, Billy Zane was in the uh, original film as well before it was all really shot well I think half of the film was, was done or at least a quarter of it and uh, there was a picture of Billy Zane there as well and uh, I think he's got hair which is something that's you know you don't, you don't see much on his head these days <laughs> uh, another little thing there I wanted to talk about was actually about the car and i collect um little scale models of um of cars and i've uh, my two favorite ones i've got next to me at the moment on the shelf is the the general lee from dukes of hazard and the um the blues rivers uh, car from from the blues rivers um a funny thing about the the car that's using that the delorean is uh, uh a car that was made in Dunmurry in northern Ireland and uh, uh Not a lot of them was made. The production began in 1981 um, and it was, you know, they're not actually very good cars. Um, They're quite faulty and you you couldn't really get many miles out of them. But it looks like um, DeLorean was uh, bought out and it is now being made in Houston in Texas. And uh, they announced in uh, 2007 that the car will be returning for very limited production, something like only uh, about 20 cars per year. And um, the price tag for that is about fifty-seven thousand dollars, which you know, for a stainless steel frame with a, a light fiberglass underbody, we've of course opted no access of GPS. It's <laughs> awful. I mean, <laughs> fifty-seven thousand dollars for a DeLorean. I mean, if it was the one that was like in the, you know in the films you'd, uh, you'd you'd probably go for it according to the the website on back to the future uh, the dmc12 uh, which is featured and mentioned in the films um, was of course designed by Emmett Brown and he says the been uh, choosing his film because the way I see it is if you're going to build a time machine into a car then why not do it with some style now if i was going to use a car that had style i'd probably go for a nice mustang or <laughs> something like that not a, a delorean uh, six of the cars were used for the filming of it, uh, and later on they removed the engine of uh, the DeLorean uh, and swapped it with a Porsche engine. There you go, you know. Uh. But it's a great film, and uh, thanks for thanks for covering it. I so look forward to listening to it. Well, there's my dog, who obviously is not a fan of Back to the Future. <laughs> and uh, well, thanks for doing it, Rico. Cheers.
0: Well, thanks very much, Meds. Always great to get comments. Uh, Those can all be sent in always if you want to comment about what we're covering on the podcast to tricksf at gmail.com anytime. Uh, Cover a movie, a book, a TV show, anything you'd like, or whatever the topic happens to be for the week. Yeah, you know, DeLoreans, I I remember seeing those when they were first being put out uh, around Michigan, you know, on the roads and things. And I always thought they were a pretty cool car. The gullwing doors is is a a big neat feature on that vehicle, and and I have seen some of them around. They are kind of small, though. I, I I'm about 6'4", and I don't I think I'd have trouble fitting inside uh, one of them. And I know some of the guys on the replica prop forum and other places have built uh, built DeLorean type time machines like Back to the Future features. You know, gotten themselves a DeLorean or some you know, part of a DeLorean and rebuilt the rest or whatever they've done and then turned it into making it look like Doc Brown's time machine. So there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of cool collectibles too, like you mentioned, the little cars. I've got one. There's a new one coming out uh, of the uh, DeLorean uh, that'll be out. I think you can find it over on entertainmentearth.com. I think that's coming out in the next couple of months, a little scale model of the vehicle. Then fun thing about this movie, there's also a lot of little paper props Like the letter that Marty writes to Doc at the end of the first movie, uh, the sports almanac cover, uh, the photograph of Marty and Doc in Old West attire. I will try to link some of that stuff or put pictures up on the forum and in the podcast notes to some of these, what they're so called paper props uh, that are used in movies that you can kind of like, you can get the image, print out your own little version, maybe put it in a frame or something if you'd like uh, for this week's sort of. Prop uh, review for related to Back to the Future. And uh, i got to get out of here because we're almost uh, about an hour 20 or so right now. And i got to edit this up. Kind of had a long show today. But I wanted to cover a lot of this uh, because I enjoy these movies a lot. And I hope they do show up in high def someday. It would probably be another reason besides the upcoming Star Trek release on Blu-ray that would make me go out and get a Blu-ray player. So um, I think that's about it. And covering Back to the Future. On next week's uh, podcast, though, we're going to be covering an original series Trek episode, a TOS episode, uh, a good one from early in Season 2 called The Changeling. So that's coming up on next week's podcast, and I believe the week after that I'll be uh, uh, (laughs) covering—I need some more tea—I'll be covering uh, music from the realms of sci-fi and fantasy films play some of my favorite uh, tracks from different to movies. So that should be fun. So that'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks on Treks in Sci-Fi. Thanks, everyone, for downloading and listening to the show. I really appreciate it every week. And uh, reviews on iTunes, always welcome. And I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> Forget about that.